Hello, and welcome to the Feminine Genius Podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates all women of God and their unique genius. I'm your host, Rachel Wong. I remember when I first heard Amanda Vernon sing. I was so moved by her voice and inspired by her joy. And then at a conference a couple months later, I heard her speak and Amanda's joy and soul was even more evident. As a full-time recording artist, Amanda lives out her dreams of making and sharing music with the world. And outside of that, Amanda is also the co-author of the wonderful book, When God Wrecks Your Romance with her dear friend, Father Matt Face. On top of all of this, she does it while taking care of her four children with her husband. In this episode, Amanda and I talk about her music and ministry, the graces she's received through co-authoring a book with her best friend, and the ways she glorifies God with a joyful noise. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Rachel. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be on your podcast. Oh, thank you. I am excited for you to be here. So thank you so much for making time for me. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. I brought my love and responsibility. Keep it by me for this so conversation because it's my favorite book. And I thought this could kind of tie us all together. So. Oh, so good. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Amanda, maybe for those listeners who aren't familiar with the work that you do, I was wondering if you could introduce yourself and share a little bit about what you do. Sure, absolutely. I'm a full-time recording artist and author. I live in Phoenix, Arizona with my husband and our four young children. And so my husband is my manager. So that means he works with me full-time as well. So my artwork, mostly through music and writing, that is how we feed the kids. Like there's no side hustle. It's me being an artist full time. And I'm really grateful for the opportunity to share my gifts like this. And we've been going full time. Yeah. So I get to write music and then share that music with people. And I recently wrote my first book and I get to share that with people. I'm writing other books. And the more that I do it, the more I realize how much of an artist I am at heart. And there's just no escaping that. So I'm glad that I have not only an outlet, (laughs) but that it's been so fruitful in in a way that connects me with a lot of other people, but also helps me in raising my family as well. Absolutely. Yeah. To be a a recording artist or even like an artist in general, I can imagine like the hard work and the sacrifice that has to go into that. But then also to be able to do something that you love full time and to allow that to really like permeate every part of your life. That's really a gift. So I just wanted to thank you for being able to share that and just taking the leap, being the one and going out there and doing that. Thank you. Yeah, I think you said it where it's a lot of sacrifice and hard work on the one hand. And then on the other hand, it's very rewarding. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that it will be fun to one day sort of list the sacrifices that we've made to do this. Some of them are are currently underway, right? (laughs) But again, because it is bearing good fruit, and I say that to me, not only has it been thankfully sustainable from a practical logistical standpoint, like the kids are still eating, you know, we have a roof over our head, thanks be to God, but 
spiritually as well to mm-hmm. see that we have peace in it and we have joy yes. and we're able to connect with people in a way that seems really meaningful because of that the sacrifices that we make are so worth it mm. yeah and that peace aspect i'm sure is such an important thing like it guides every major decision especially if you are going to be like you know what i'm going to pursue mm-hmm. my dreams and make that my career make that my life <laughs> yeah you. So maybe if we could jump into your faith journey, because I imagine that that must have been like a huge part, especially if it's helping you to get to this point of discerning, going into recording full time and Mm -hmm. whatnot. I would love to hear that story. I would say my faith journey and my journey as an artist have always been connected because I grew up in a really musical and faith-filled family. Mm -hmm. And so my dad is a singer also, although... (laughs) He doesn't sing publicly very often anymore. He sings once a year. He's he's a deacon now in, in the Catholic oh, wow. Church. And so he sings, you know, the exalted, mm-hmm. the, it's that long at chanted prayer. Yeah. At the beginning of, of Easter Vigil when only the Paschal candle is lit. And then right after that, we're going to share the, the light of Christ. Right. Right? So he's singing about the light. And so my wow. dad's like, that's my song. <laughs> His one song. <laughs> and he, he's so dramatic. I know where I get it. So. My dad grew up singing African-American spirituals. So he, he was raised in a predominantly Black Catholic parish in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and grew up singing these songs that have been handed down from our ancestors generation to generation. And I grew up then following him around the house, singing those songs, going to church with him, singing those songs. And those songs are handing on our history, but also our faith right. as well. And so I just learned that the most exciting way to pray, in my experience, was to sing. And my dad also taught me, if I'm going to be singing, I ought to be praying at the same time. And so it was very integrated from the beginning. And so I I can't really talk about one without the other. Yeah. What comes to mind as well is that I hear this phrase a lot where it's like, you know, singing is twice praying. And I love how your father, you know, he mentions that it's like, well, if you're going to be singing, you might as well be praying. Um, (laughs) So in terms of how the two have maybe woven together, Mm -hmm. how have you seen it really start? And where have you seen the Lord take you with that when Mm -hmm, it came mm -hmm. to especially pursuing this career in music? Yeah. So I would say my start of music also came through my faith community Mm -hmm. and then from there grew into a career. So my youth director when I was in high school was very visionary and he, he saw opportunities to connect students who he was leading in faith in a way that built such a beautiful rapport. So that is something that's really important to me as well now as an artist, but it's like, if somebody's having an experience of the faith, let's do our best to make it the most beautiful and the most positive that it can be. So that later when they think about it, they're like, that was awesome. That was fun. That was exciting. Okay. Is it always going to be? No, but to the best of our ability. And so he saw that other kids were responding really positively to my music. Like they would listen to my little burned CDs of my original songs when I was a teenager, like when I wasn't there. Right. So they weren't just humoring me. Like they really liked my music. Mm-hmm. And so he thought, okay, so Amanda is somebody who I was leading at the time as a like a peer minister at our parish, leading praise and worship, leading gospel songs. And he thought, well, if, if I was doing that with this small group, why not help me to do that for more? 
students. And so he really saw that potential in me to reach my peers. And so he poured a lot of the parish resources into my music. Wow. (laughs) Because he really thought that could reach more kids that way. And it did. He was right. And the church, actually, my parish financed my first album when I was 15. So it's like the original Kickstarter, you know? And I paid them back within, I want to say, a year because I sold the CDs. And after I paid them back, I still had a bunch of CDs to go sell. And I was entrepreneurial from the start as well. So I saved my money. My parents are like, you can save this for college. I'm like, or another album first. And so I... <laughs> I invested it into making another project or another project after that. And before I knew it, it was really a viable career path. I just want to say too, it's like the prophetic that your youth minister had, or at least the one who was coordinating all Mm -hmm. this, the one who poured so many resources into you, that is incredible witness. And just to be able to be so abandoned in that way and to it's one thing to make art for yourself and kind of look at it, you know, hold it up maybe to other art and just Mm -hmm. kind of compare it. Did you have that same belief in yourself that this was something that you could do? Oh, I definitely believe that I could be in front of people, Mm -hmm. say things and sing things in a way that would reach their hearts and that I could communicate what I saw as really beautiful truth, Mm -hmm. that I could communicate it in a way that other people would be able to understand. I remember being nine years old and like planning out concerts, wow. <laughs> what I was going to say and how I would say it. And a lot of it for me was not just the singing, but like, how are people going to feel? How are they going to feel about God when I share with them how I feel? <laughs> Especially a lot of adults in my life. I just remember them saying things like, you were born for this stage. And I've just been blessed with getting people's attention. I think the term for entertainment actually means to hold someone's attention, but I don't know if like entertainment can be like a spiritual gift, but since I was a kid, I've been able to get people's attention with relative ease. And I just Mm -hmm. knew that that was one of the gifts that God gave me. And so if he gave it to me, then it was for a good reason. It was meant to be shared. What comes to mind actually, like, you know, we're talking about Holy Spirit earlier. So it's like, you know, that fire or that zeal for life. Whenever I see you, and I think I mentioned this too in preparation of getting this together, a lot of the images that are out there of you, like you're wearing beautiful colors and it just draws you in. And I'm like, okay, there's something different here and there's something inherently joyful in you. Now it's starting to click in my head. Like, you know, as I was setting this interview up with Christina, I, I noticed the company, or maybe like you can speak mm-hmm. to this, but joyful noise. Oh, yeah. This that's makes a lot of sense. Can you, yeah. Can you share about that? Yeah, so Joyful Noise is from Psalm 98, Make a Joyful Noise unto the Lord. And uh, Joy is my middle name. So, and it's my spirituality too. And again, I mentioned my dad raising me on gospel spirituals. African-American culture is pretty loud. And we, as a culture, pray loud and we like emote a lot. And so it's interesting to me to be Catholic and in the United States where African-Americans are very small, very small minority mm-hmm. of Catholics here, and yet a distinct expression of Catholicism. Right. And then to compare that to other expressions, which are more, I would say, have more European mm-hmm. roots, and this concept of reverence as quiet. So mm-hmm. if you're going to show reverence, then take it in. We want to be show our silence. We want to show respect by being more quiet. But I haven't seen anything in any official church document that says 
that quiet equals reverence or quiet is the only way (laughs) to be respectful and reverent and even in liturgy. And so I can go back and forth between various expressions of our faith, which I, I love too. But there's just something about being raised in a culture that's very loud, very emotionally expressive, that that's where I'm my most comfortable in prayer. And it's also, I, I think, a gift that I have been given to share with the broader church at this moment, where I can say, here's another expression of our faith, another way to show reverence. Um, and it might be noisier too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I feel like, I think this is a conversation that's been happening a lot recently where when you're Catholic, for example, like, yes, like that's one part of your identity and sure it permeates all parts of you, mm-hmm. but there are other aspects of your identity or at least that make up who you are, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, your culture, your heritage, your upbringing, and even like as we're talking about these charisms that we have. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a very interesting dichotomy that you bring up where typically we go into a church and everybody's like, you know, shh, sh- calm down and (laughs) quiet and whatnot. I know that like for me Mm -hmm. as a kid, even now in my twenties, my mom is like, shh. Right, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Having said that, you know, there is something joyous and the mass in itself, like, of course, like we want to be reverent and there is like optimal time for silence. And that is something that we should integrate, but certainly to be joyful because this is a wedding feast. Like it's a mm-hmm. sacrifice that is shown to us week after week or even day after day if you're going daily mass. Um, right. You know, just to yeah, praise I, God. Yeah. I would say that the question is, how do we show that reverence? Because there's so mm. many ways to show yes. the reverence. And if you go to different countries, different parts of the world, even even different parts of our own country, you know, we see various ways. And that's one of my favorite parts of being in the universal church is that there are these different ways of showing our reverence. There are going to be moments of quiet, of course, but there's also going to be moments of just loud, boisterous, jubilant celebration. And maybe those happen with more frequency depending on your, depending on if you grew up in Miami or not. You know? right. And so it's so beautiful to me to see that vibrancy of our differences that Christ weaves together in this awesome tapestry. And so for me to own my particular gifts and my particular upbringing and culture has been really empowering for me. And I, and I hope that that same spirituality, this very vibrant spirituality that I was given is then evident in, in my music and in my ministry. And in terms of the music that you do produce and you do record, is it mostly like Mm -hmm, a mix mm -hmm. or, yeah, like if you could describe that. So I call my music soulful pop with gospel and jazz roots. And so most of the songs I write are performance-based. They're songs I want to sing to you in a concert versus, say, writing for liturgy because I am a liturgical musician as well. So I do typically go into various parishes, sometimes In a month, I'm at a different parish every weekend, and I sing during Mass, but my primary mode of writing is like storytelling songs and something that's going to be hopefully entertaining to listen to, performance-based. Typically in concert, I play piano and I sing, and so most of my recent recordings, especially the recordings I make for my patrons, 
are very simple, like that piano and my voice, maybe some harmonies. And I love that you're mentioning storytelling as well, because I think that this has been very evident all throughout the conversation so far. And I know that this is another part of your journey, but also your life that I would love to talk about, which is you mentioned at the outset that you're also an author. And I just want to say too that, you know, to write music, to write books, to speak, to perform, all of this takes so much time. So I just am in awe of how you're finding all this time to do all these amazing things. And I would love to talk to you about this book that you co-wrote with your friend, Father Matt. I saw the title and I was like, I must order this. And it's called (laughs) When God Wrecks Your Romance. So I'm going to let you maybe take it from here to share the story. But I wanted to congratulate you also on, I believe this is your first book. Is that right? Yes, my first book. Yep. So it's called When God Wrecks Your Romance, Orthodox Faith, Unorthodox Story. I co-authored it with my best friend, Father Matt Face, who is a priest of the Congregation of Holy Cross. So maybe your listeners are familiar with the University of Notre Dame. Holy Cross founded that university, and they have a, a number of other universities that they run as well. And so he is a religious, so he's in a religious community, and his ministry is apostolic. So he's out with the people of God and saying mass for them. And But the heart of our story is about our childhood, is about growing up together. So he was never Father Matt. <laughs> or he wasn't you always know, Father Matt. <laughs> at the start, yes, thank you for clarifying that. At the start of our relationship, he was not Father Matt. <laughs> so it's awkward and it's kind of tense and it's a story that is at the same time, not unique. So the fact that Father Matt and I are sharing it publicly is what makes this unorthodox. So we're talking about growing up together and really believing and hoping that maybe our lives would continue together. Mm-hmm. But then realizing that God was calling us on different paths to different vocations mm-hmm. um, and the heartache that came along with that discernment is what we're really sharing. And um, ultimately, the joy that we have now to see how fruitful our vocations are. And what a beautiful friendship that God has given us in the meantime. It just, it's mind-blowing. And so I know I'm not the only one with this story, but again, I don't know anybody else who's sharing it publicly. (laughs) Why do you think that is, Amanda? I mean, like, I think back to childhood crushes that I have. And I think, you know, especially for women, especially for young girls, we think like, oh, you know, one day he will notice me and we're going to get married. We're going to have mm-hmm. X number of kids and we're going to have a nice house and whatever. Right. You plan um, it out. You look at their last name, you compare it with your first name. How do they go together? It's like compatible. Yeah. It's like, right. so it's so funny because like you said, not a unique story, but I guess what is unique is the fact that you are sharing it. So mm-hmm. I don't know, like if you have any thoughts as to maybe yeah. like why it is that people I, don't. Right. I've heard a lot of priests share their vocation story. And I've heard, of course, a lot of lay people share their vocation story. It's the fact that we are sharing this together and it's our same story. I've never seen that. And actually, I did see an article with a priest and a nun. And Ah. they used to date. And then they obviously like went their separate ways. (laughs) Both (laughs) now are in religious life. And then they told their story. Okay. But the fact that I'm married and have, have all these kids and... I really believe that the unique gift that the Lord has given us is my husband's humility. I mean, this takes so much humility for David, my husband, to allow for this story to be 
lift it up for people to see and study and laugh about and (laughs) rejoice in. And also for him to be so secure in who Mm -hmm. he is as a man in the strength of our marriage Mm -hmm. for me in turn to have this intimate friendship with this person who's meant so much to me my whole life. Like those are really heavy dynamics to work with. My husband is particularly strong. And so it's, it's his willingness and to take it a step further, Father Matt's community as well have given him their full blessing to share the story. And even then to go with me and give parish missions and to the more fruitful it is that in our ministry together, the more they've given him permission to share this story and to develop those themes of friendship and vocation along with David and me. So the entire dynamic is just, I have to believe that it's God's hand leading it. (laughs) And I think you mentioned this as well, where you're talking about trust in the process and being able to like lift the story up for whoever it is that you're going to share it with. Because for many of us, you know, we only see what's in front of us and we only have our desires to really wrestle with. And like you mentioned, it must have been challenging and painful and difficult to really have to reckon with the fact that God isn't calling us to move forward together, maybe not in the way that you had hoped, Mm -hmm. but to trust that he has something greater planned for both of you. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, being able to step out in faith that way is really amazing. And it's just a testament to God's providence and what can happen when we do trust him. Mm -hmm. Amen. Thank you. I hope that anybody who reads our book, When God Wrecks Your Romance, that they will be able to relate, not not necessarily that their childhood crush is now becoming a priest, although maybe, but in the sense that you're describing, Rachel, of something that we can imagine and and picture being so good for us and really desire and bringing that to prayer and being completely open before the Lord. This is what's on my heart, Lord. It's a burning desire, whatever, whatever it may be, either a specific relationship or I'm thinking, you know, a job or having a family or anything that we have our heart set on to really open that up to the Lord and to trust that if it is his will, it's going to happen. Mm. And if it is not, there is something better. And I think that's such a consoling belief to hold and then to see it unfold. It's like mind blowing. So I hope that when others hear our story, they can see some of the fruit of that belief and that it will encourage them to, to hold on as well. If maybe in their, in a moment now where they don't see things are coming together, but they could look back and realize that God has brought them through so much and that he's going to bring them through whatever they're in this moment as well. And would you be able to share, obviously, you've been married for some time, like you have your Yeah, 10 kids. years. Woo! Congratulations. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. And then, of course, Father Matt has been Father Matt for mm-hmm. <laughs> quite some yeah, time as well. So what is, years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. what is that relationship been like for you? It must be such a blessing to have, you know, a priest as right. like a close friend, so close to your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Father Matt is definitely now a friend of my marriage and family. He's my best friend outside of my family, but he's here for us. And he is the godfather of our faithful child. He baptized our youngest daughter. He prays for me at Mass every day. He prays for me at every Mass, that he says. And 
so much grace. And as I see what the Lord is calling me to now in my marriage and family, but also the way that I've been blessed to be able to share that with so many people, that's not a coincidence that I have all of these prayers and all of this grace of the mass coming my way every day. And that Father Matt, I know, is, is praying for me from the depths of his heart. That is just so humbling and one of the greatest gifts in my life. And then to know that that's really like helping to propel you as well and feeling that freedom to be able to trust in whatever it is that God will take you to next or your whole family to next. Amen. Thank you. As we tie this all together, and I love how just as we got going, you shared that you have close by you a copy of John Paul II's Love and Responsibility (laughs) or when he was still um, Carol Mm -hmm. Wojtyla. I was wondering if you could share maybe just as you've looked back on your own life, how you've seen the feminine genius grow and develop. Oh, yes. You know, I was, I was thinking about this question ahead of our talk today. And John Paul II said something about the importance of who woman will be for man and who man will be for woman. This is kind of a long, longer answer than I typically would give, but I, I'd like to dive into this a little, if I may. Please, yeah. So there was a book that I read just thinking about the feminine genius. There's a book that I read that I, I don't necessarily recommend wasn't necessarily my, my style it was about modesty in, in dress, which I agree with, but the specifics weren't necessarily those I espouse. But this book is, it was something like dressing with dignity. I think that's mm. what it's called. But there was one line that I remember writing down as a teenager that has really helped me. And I'm going to, I'm going to offer some disclaimers some caveats on it because I've grown in my understanding. But the line that stood out to me as a teenager was this, and then I'll kind of explain it. Respect every man you meet, even the most despicable liar, and act in a respectable way. You will win the respect of every man you meet, and you will set a standard for men with other women. Hmm. Okay. All right. I do not think that (laughs) painting this scenario of men and women, their interaction in such a broad stroke is speaking to the truth of everyone's situation. And in fact, there have been times in my life since then, since I was a teenager, that I have tried really hard to act respectably. I've tried really hard to respect some man and he's objectifying me and he doesn't care. That's not going to change his mind that I'm respecting him. He's still looking at me as an object. He's still not respecting me. So I do not believe that, that simply by treating someone with respect, I will in fact earn theirs. Mm. However there's still something that so beautifully resonates about that advice. And I think it's the advice of respecting someone who is even a despicable person, like it's even who is a despicable liar or objectifying me or trying to dominate me. If I answer with respect for who God created that man to be, not necessarily how he's acting, but for who God is calling him to be, then I have found nine times out of 10, my feminine genius is able then to transform that moment, Mm. right? God working through me as a woman, even if his actions or his character are (laughs) despicable to me, I can find some things to love and to respect about him. And that allows me to be the best woman that I can be. 
And I do believe it sets the bar for men with other women that I can offer an example of here. This is what respect looks like. This is what caring about you looks like. And maybe nobody has treated you with respect in a while or no woman has because it's hard. (laughs) But I'm going to because I care about you as a man. I care about who God is calling you to be. And I believe in you. I believe that God will give you the strength to be who he's calling you to be. And so when I interact with the men in my life from that stance, really miraculous interactions happen. And I'm in turn able to thrive in new ways as well. That's a beautiful word that you've shared. So thank you, because I feel like so many times as women, I just picture like girl circles or like girl gang hangs that we'll have. Mm -hmm. And we're just maybe not totally bagging on men, but just feeling Mm -hmm. very hopeless and being like, where are all the good men? We're all going to die alone and all that kind of stuff. And that really is, I feel like the discourse sometimes in our society. And like you said, you know, maybe not necessarily can like one respectful interaction from us to someone it may not necessarily like transform them overnight, but at least it gives us that context to show that we want to will that person to be who it is that God wants. Yeah. Which is so important. That's love, right? To, to will the good of the other and to really call them to hire and to be better. Exactly. And I, in that dynamic that you described of you, the, the girl gang hangs, I needed that in my life, actually. I really miss just hanging out with, like, a bunch of girls because, oh, my goodness, this quarantine life that we're living <laughs> is something else. But, okay, that doesn't go away, Rachel. Like, in my experience, the, the same conversations that happen when you're single and you're like, where are the good men? Well, once everybody gets married, you get together, and then guess what happens? wish my husband was better. Me too. Uh, It's like, it's the same conversation, but just insert husband. Mm. Like what? And I, I mean, it's astonishing to me to watch that unfold. And Mm -hmm. so today is a good day to start respecting the men in our lives as much as, as we can. And whether that's we're waiting for someone or whether we're waiting for someone in our life to become even better (laughs) Mm -hmm. if we respect now love now like jesus loves us while we're still sinners if we can love and respect others where they are today then i i believe that we will start to see not only a change as you you described it so beautifully like it's not going to be an overnight change in someone else but where we are personally as women can be all the more beautiful today Mm. Amen. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Amanda. As we think about the men in our lives, the women in our lives, and also thinking about who it is that God is calling us to be, I was wondering if you could lead us in a closing prayer. Oh, yeah. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you so much for the technology that makes it possible for us to talk with each other in different countries and even in different times of the day or somebody might be listening to this word years from now. I thank you for all of the gifts that you've given us, not only the headphones and the screen and the the practical needs that we have, but even more so your spirit that guides us and connects us and lets us know that we're not alone, that you are here guiding us, speaking to us, connecting our hearts. 
as different members of one body. Keep us united in you, Lord, so that we can know and love and serve you with greater joy today and always. We ask this through the intercession of our Blessed Mother, Mary, Queen of Peace. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Amanda. Absolutely. You're so welcome. And if your listeners want to check out my book, they can visit my website. And my music is there as well. So just my name, amandavernon.com. And um, they can find all of my artwork there. And we'll be sure to share that in the show notes and the episode description. But thank you again for sharing that, Amanda. Thank you. Thank you again to Amanda Vernon for joining me on the Feminine Genius Podcast today. You can learn more about Amanda by checking out her website, amandavernon.com. From there, you can listen to her music and learn more about her book, When God Wrecks Your Romance. I've left direct links to all of these in the episode description below. I highly recommend When God Wrecks Your Romance. Amanda and Father Matt are wonderful storytellers, and their story is an important one about trusting God through everything, even when it's difficult at first. And they're incredibly vulnerable with each other as well as with us, the reader. So I do highly recommend that you check it out. You can stay up to date with the Feminine Genius Podcast by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at FemGeniusPod, and you can listen to this podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and many other platforms. And if you love what you're hearing, I would love it if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting platform of choice. All of this information can be found on our website, FeminineGeniusPodcast.com. We'll talk to you soon, and God bless, always. Always.